Welcome, 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 loyal followers. It is episode 27 of Law School in Brief, and I am your co-host, Megan, and with me is... Lydia! Woohoo! <laughs> Everyone's hey. here and accounted for. <laughs> so this week, we uh, are going to be pretty much hearing from Lydia about how the rebellious lawyering conference went. Um I have not read any of what she wrote because I want it all to be a surprise, but I imagine it went pretty well. Are you a rebellious lawyer yet or like what? I'm not a lawyer yet oh. um, and nothing on this podcast is legal advice. <laughs> I feel like we don't say that enough, um, but it was such a great conference. I'm going to talk about it for way too long. You can cut me off <laughs> at some point. <laughs> okay. So should we start with highs, lows, and mans? Yeah, because I'm just going to be rambling and like, yeah. Okay, we can keep this pretty brief then. Yeah, Lock, cool. And brief. What have you been up to while you weren't at the conference? What? That was my way of trying to segue and asking you like, how's it going? And oh, all I know yeah, is I that you like... like weren't at the thing I was at. So <laughs> should we start over? <laughs> no, it stays. <laughs> Lydia, what are you trying to ask me right now i was not at the conference my friend <laughs> yeah so what were you doing instead like what was i doing when i wasn't at the conference yeah okay so the conference was this weekend correct i just have to get my my time frame down mm -hmm. okay so from friday to sunday friday to sunday is usually my like peak study hours that's the time when i can sit down at my carol unencumbered by having to get up and go to class or even haha, eat lunch. I can just sit there and like zone out for hours upon hours upon hours and get so much done. And when I awoke on Saturday morning at 6 a.m. Oh, yeah. Oh. It's because that's when Adam wakes up and we, we have oh, a whole routine. We eat breakfast oh. together. It's cute. Oh, but, that's nice. Yeah, but usually by 9 a.m. I'm at my carol and I'm there until about 4 or 5 p.m. Um, so I woke up, I went and I ran all these errands and I was feeling ultra productive. I mean, it was one of those days where everything just fell into place. Like I'd been carrying around this bag full of Goodwill donations in the trunk of my car for a couple of weeks. And when I went grocery shopping, I came back to the car, put everything in there and then glanced to the side. And what do you know? There's like a giant Goodwill donation bin. Check. Two birds, Perfect. one stone. Look yeah. at that. So... I'm now driving back to my apartment and the sun is up and I don't hear them, but I, I assume the birds are chirping <laughs> <laughs> and it is such a beautiful day in North Carolina and I'm coming over this hill. And when you come over the hill, you can see downtown. It's very picturesque. And as I'm looking out over this beautiful city on this day that is full of possibilities, this little voice on my shoulder pops in and whispers, <laughs> what if you just didn't go today? Yes. <laughs> and usually I would just cast that little voice aside because, you know, time is money and I'm poor. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I need to go to the library because one day I'm going to be a lawyer. <laughs> um, but then I got to thinking, would it really be the worst thing in the world if I just didn't go? So I weighed the pros and cons and, decided that I was going to just play hooky from my own self-imposed day of work. And let me tell you, when you release yourself of a burden like that, it feels like just like the most relief. And then all of a sudden I was overwhelmed with all the possibilities of what I could do with a free day. Yeah, true. Yeah, I was like, oh my God, I could do anything. <laughs> <laughs> so Lydia asked me what I did. <laughs> Okay, what'd you do? And nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I went home and I opened up every single blind in the entire apartment. And we have big windows, right? And it just drenched the entire space full with this natural sunlight. And then I went and I grabbed my bed of nails. See, yes. episode whatever, 20. Um, <laughs> rolled the bed of nails out and splayed myself across it in the sunniest part of the living room. And I was laying there listening to this podcast 
and my muscles relaxed into the bed of nails and I was so blissed out that I just fully fell asleep like 100% in the starfish position in the middle of my living room (laughs) and if that's not a test were you listening to oh let me tell you um so this is a plug for a podcast that I stumbled across and am now obsessed with. It's called Let's Go to Court. And it's hosted by these two friends, two female friends. So, of course, I'm like, yo, it's like our podcast. Aww. And um, it, they're, they are so funny. I don't think that either one are like career comedians, but they should be. Um, it's these two these two friends who are just talking about different court cases. And the whole hook of their show starts off, it's like, one semester of law school, one class in criminal justice, two experts. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then they introduce themselves and they jump into whatever topic it's going to be that week. Listeners, if you are sick of hearing our voices, <laughs> I highly recommend this podcast. I was laughing out loud. I mean, at this point now, any time that I'm not doing work, I'm listening to this podcast because it is so funny. And I, I want to dock you points for like listening to something law related on your time off, but it really sounds like you're enjoying it. So I won't dock you the points. You know, it's funny that you say that. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, don't, don't, please don't dock me points. Um, <laughs> it is, it is so like easy to consume. I mean, for example, one of their episodes, the one I just listened to was about divorces um, and it, they covered extensively all the different divorces of Kim Kardashian, which is oh. so fun for me. <laughs> but also, they do pepper it with some actual legalese. And so you can, like, listen along and go, oh, yeah, summary judgment. I know what that is. Or, like, yeah, why? who has the burden of proof? Why did they rule that way? And so, anywho, I listened to that. <laughs> that sounds great. I'm going to listen to it, too. You absolutely should. Let me know what you think. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm guessing your high was going to the conference, or am I wrong? Um, yeah, it was. I'll explain that fully in detail. <laughs> okay. Later on. So I have I have meds and lows. Let's hear them. Let's hear them. Um, my met is other people's highs, from what I can gather, because I came back and, and got all the goss. But I'm sorry. This weekend, I'm sorry. Yeah. The what? The goss. The gossip. Oh my god. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry to abrive. Um, <laughs> Send help. Should I just should we start over? The no. <laughs> um. So yeah, I mean, I I was out of town, but I I got the the good stories and saw all the cool pictures of my classmates who were in town this weekend, there was Barrister's Ball, a.k.a. Law Prom. So I I had to choose between that and going to this conference. And they were just, I hope next year that I can do both because it was, it looked so cool. It was in the St. Louis Art Museum. Like they had rented out the museum um, and everyone just looked so good. Like I'm really supportive of people like wearing sweatpants to class and stuff and just like being comfortable in school and then seeing people dress up I'm like yeah that looked like a good time Um, so I have a question about barrister ball we also have a barrister's ball at Elon uh um and I I guess I thought that the name itself was unique to Elon now I'm realizing it's not what in the hell is a barrister (laughs) do I know this Am I yeah, really showing my ass right now? There's other terms for lawyer. Like, um, I remember passing a law office in Ireland and it said commissioner of oaths. And I was like, well, I'm going to be using that to describe myself because that sounds <laughs> yeah. freaking awesome. And I think barrister might be a British thing. But that's okay. a good question. Our student body president was wearing like the full wig um, and a gown and it looked incredible. That's awesome. Yeah, I might have to copy that next year. But also to be clear, this is not a costume party. They just chose to do that. Correct. I'm into that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, me too. (laughs) Me too. So so the meh is like, I'm sad that I missed that. But it's not a low because I'm delighted that everyone had such a good time. Sure, sure. That makes sense. Um, Another meh, uh, two for one here because I can't give you a proper high. 
I went to see my contract exam, expecting it to be a high. I kind of wanted the confidence booster. Like I had mentioned, that was my best um, score. Yep. And so, I mean, yeah, honestly, I just signed up to look at it, kind of hoping to be like, yeah, I, I, I can... I can do it by the end of the semester. Like everything does come together and like I can succeed in, in something. Um, but there were just comments like everywhere. And my professor kind of explicitly said like, you did well because you were graded in comparison to others, you know? I mean, it was a hard exam, but it was still just like, oh, right, right, right. Like, you know, I almost like kind of feel like it was a function of it being the first semester and not everyone being fully like caught up on what law school exams are. And I'm like, right. I might not this kind of success this semester because everyone's kind of more caught up now. And also there was a whole section of math on the contracts exams for calculating damages. Um, asterisk. I'll come back to that. And I, I crushed that. And I think that's why I did well. And I was like, well, there's never going to be a section of math on a law school exam that's again. So so. Yeah, because you're being compared to a bunch of law students who can't math to save, <laughs> to save their lives. <laughs> I was like, oh, well, okay. So so this success might not be replicated. This was actually not a high to look at this. I'm kind of more scared now. Um, but, <laughs> okay, asterisk is <clears throat> that... Um, our listener and my dear friend Noam asked that we explain ourselves a bit more when we throw out terms like this. So in short, I'll just quickly say what I mean by like calculating damages. If you have a contract with someone, let's say for them to renovate your house and the terms of the contract aren't met for some reason, there's different equations you can use in your claim for getting compensated for the mess up depending on like why things went wrong, how much of the contract was completed. If you, as the person who like requested the service also breached, like if you're both in breach and there's just different equations that can be used. So that's why it might show up on an exam. Mm. Cause if you're arguing both sides for like your client and the other side, you might say like, Oh, well my side would, would argue for this equation. This is the math they would do. And the other side would, argue for this equation to be used with these numbers based on like them arguing that they had completed most of the contract and that what they Got didn't it. complete is just minimal. Mm. So that's why it's like law-ish, but it's also just like math-ish. Uh, yep. So that was another meh, but I am super appreciative of my professor. She wrote hand, she hand wrote comments on every single person's exam like wow. all over yeah wow that is awesome yeah and you said that she was a visiting professor so she's not like available oh, no no, no, no. she's like she's been there for a while and now she's a vice dean oh <laughs> pardon yeah. me my property professor was visiting so i don't know when i'll get to see that exam oh god i got it got it okay okay well um that kind of, t that like semi relates to my meh and low. Okay. okay. <laughs> I, mean, I, I got the, the hard part of uh, going and looking at my torts and civil procedure exams over like weeks right. ago. Um, so those wounds have been healing gradually. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, this week I actually got my crim law midterm back and I just didn't do as well as I had hoped. But when I asked my other classmates, it sounds like nobody did like spectacularly well. Um, and it's our harder than I thought it would be as a subject. Oh my! Criminal I'm sorry, law. We've been watching Law and so Order for hard. years, right? And like, for what? Why hasn't that paid off more? <laughs> right. <laughs> I've been watching CSI since it came out. Since <laughs> yeah. Where is Grissom? <laughs> you know, I mean, this is like. Criminal law is really hard, you guys. Don't let anybody lull you into some false sense of security because it doesn't make any sense. Uh, so, but like our professor said of the midterm, don't worry about it, not to me specifically, to the whole class. Don't worry about it. If you did exceptionally well, it might help your overall grade a little bit. If you did exceptionally poorly, it might ding you a little bit. But either way, there's nothing to worry about. It's just a gauge for where you're at. And I'm like, Okay, cool, cool, cool. 
Um, but we all know about this curve nonsense. So what was the average? <laughs> because I need to know. Like, yeah, the gauge that they mention is totally dependent. Exactly. Yeah. So after I get this midterm back, I had like studied for this thing. And I know that people didn't study because my professor had given it such a light. He had like yeah. touched it so lightly. You know, he was like, don't worry about it. It's just a little multiple choice. No big deal. So I was talking to people and they were like, oh, should I have studied for this? And I was like, like I studied. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> um, so anyway, I was feeling a little down after this. And I just got to thinking. I got kind of in my head as a do. And I'm like, am I smart? <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> oh, Megan, you're so smart. Come on. You know, <laughs> Lydia, this is, why you're my, this is why you're the homie. You're my bud. <laughs> I actually got so in my head that I had to Google what does it mean to be smart? <laughs> Whoa, what is the internet? I mean, what does Google have to say about it? So Google, according to psychreg.org, quote. Psychreg dot org well it's yep. not dot org so you know yeah this sounds like government so <laughs> i'm imagining this is straight from the oval office and if that's the case don't listen to this <laughs> that'd be dot gov baby right org. oh yeah see look i'm not very smart <laughs> no okay just tell me what it said <laughs> no you're right this is dot org anybody could have written this <laughs> yep 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 basically oh my god i need to put the shovel down <laughs> so being being smart is something that is grown and cultivated often by being curious enough to seek out new information and by recognizing what you don't already know. Being smart is also the ability to put ideas together and create solutions to problems. Being smart is the ability to focus, concentrate, and communicate. So, I don't know about that. Really? Because I feel like if that's the measure, I am really smart. <laughs> Like, I'm curious. I, I agree with part of it. Like, recognizing patterns and problem solving, being curious and, and, like, doing something without curiosity, yeah. But the ability to concentrate, I just have to take issue with that. <laughs> Personally. Yeah, this is a personal jab at you, Lydia. <laughs> okay, well, that's, yeah, okay. So you, you Googled it and then you, you read this and you're like, okay, yeah. Yeah, I, I might be smart. I, I think that I think that I used to think I was just like easily smart. Like I guess like my whole life, like school was like relatively easy for me. But just this last like two years, essentially beginning when I studied for the LSAT and then took the LSAT leading all the way up to today, I have felt like I have been fighting tooth and nail to get like the most average <laughs> scores and grades and like I just don't like I wonder and I suppose if anybody has an answer to this question or an opinion I would love to hear it but do you think that that people max out their cognitive abilities at a certain point because <laughs> yeah. I think I've reached it I, in certain in certain domains at certain times from what I've heard like like mathematicians like max out in their like 20s and stuff but um but like people who work on like history and the social sciences mm -hmm. you know what i'm remembering i think it's like average age of nobel prize winner or something so not okay. a perfect metric but like the nobel prize winners for math are getting them at like age 21 or something and like the nobel prize for like literature and history and stuff is like much much later mm. um so i cert i don't think that you're like intelligence has maxed out <laughs> i think you. law school just sucks yeah. i hate that law school is making you feel this way i hate it i know i hate it too but i feel like once i finish this first year i am going to feel much better in fact i think it's so adam's adam's uncle bill shout out to uncle bill if you're listening probs not but here we are um <laughs> he's a lawyer and he had said that in his first year of law school they bored him to death and then, oh, I'm sorry. In the first year of law school, they worked him to death. And in the second year of law school, they bored him to death. Oh, <laughs> like, no. Wow, I cannot wait to be bored to death. <laughs> Please bore me to death. I'm so tired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. 
I totally um, get why people quit law school after a semester or a year. Like, yeah. Because you're just, you're, you're not so far into it that you can't see the light at the beginning of the tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> you, know? you can still turn back. Yeah. 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 Totally. Um, I definitely, before I started school, watched a lot of YouTube videos from people who were like, this is why I dropped out of law school. And I'd be like, oh. you know, I'd go down the YouTube rabbit hole. Why did that? Do you remember like why some of those people dropped out of law school? <coughs> um, at this point, no, but I, I think it wasn't quite persuasive enough to prevent me from going to law school. It seemed, they all seemed very situation specific. Uh, um, yeah. Word. Well, yeah, sorry to mention it without even remembering <laughs> what they were, but just <laughs> to say that there's a lot of people out there and like, maybe it's worth people who are deciding to go to check it out. Oh yeah. If you're like, I, I would be lying if I told you that I had not Googled successful law school dropouts before because I'm like, <laughs> there is life outside of this. <laughs> I, I am not this program. <laughs> yeah. Oh, see, I'm sad that you didn't go to this conference. You got to go next year. I mean, what, hopefully I'll sell it to you when I give my full report. Well, why don't you give the full report unless you have something else to say, um, something relevant. Uh, I have, <laughs> I haven't shared Milo. I just shared two Ms. Oh my goodness. I'm so sorry. That's okay. It's just, I just, want to complain. I just want to complain about how everything's getting very hard. This is just oh. kind of echoing what you just said. Okay. <laughs> I've tried to, tried to build you up and now I just want to complain. Um, <laughs> what the heck? Like there's so much reading right now and the writing assignments are all piling up. And I was away for like one weekend and I didn't review. And now I feel like I can't remember anything from the beginning of the semester. And there's so much to do that I just want to freeze up and I don't know how to like take things slow and do one thing at a time. So I get anything done mm. and it feels extra stupid to feel this way because this conference really like empower felt very empowering. And then the minute I left the conference and got all on the plane, I was like, Oh my God, what are the assignments I have to do? Like rushing anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's all. That's my low. <laughs> well, I 100% understand that. But Word. now I we have been chit-chatting, and this entire time I've been on the edge of my seat because you've told me that you are not a lawyer, but I'm still wondering if you're rebellious. And sure. I need I need I need details. Great question. All right, so um, <laughs> this is my official report from the rebellious lawyering conference at Yale Law School, heretofore referenced as Reblaw. Um, that sounds like a celebrity couple name. I'm so sorry. I just had to say it. Yeah, like Rebel really, Wilson and Jude Law got together. <laughs> and they're like, mm. I kind of don't like saying Reblaw either. It kind of sounds like I'm saying rebel, but wrong. Reblaw. I don't know, but I'm going to keep saying it. Um, okay. So... This is a two-day conference that happens at Yale, which sounds fancy and elitist, but anyone can attend. There were people from all across the country. Um, and even there was a group from um, a law school in Toronto. So there were, I mean, there were a couple of us from St. Louis. There were people who flew in from California, people from Miami Law School, Ohio. Uh, it was just really cool that it wasn't, you know, it didn't feel like it was just like, oh, it's just like us at Yale, you know? Yeah. Um, I am a little jealous. Some of these schools uh, financially provided for their students to attend. The conference itself only costs $40, but traveling there was very expensive. And I had asked around at WashU and like there was just no funding for conferences that don't have like an interview job component. The Career Services Office has some funding for those, but... Not for this. So I just like, I don't really have the money. I didn't really have the money to go, but I was like, I have to um, just make it work somehow. Yeah. Figure uh, it out. Make so it work. As Tim it's something that I would like maybe recommend that people fit into their scholarship negotiations because maybe a school can't give you like a full ride or a full ride in stipend. But if you're like, hey, why don't you sweeten the deal with like $500 to travel to a conference that that might be easy for them to do. Um, anyways, that's just a little tip. So I show up uh, further in debt 
Um, <laughs> let me <laughs> describe the structure. Oh, yeah. Oh, you might have wonder how I found out about this. Because a lot of people watching were like, what? What are you talking about? Why are you missing Barrister's Ball to go to Yale? Um, like, why are you so special? And I was like, no, no, no. Anyone can go. I just found out about it because my friend who is a 1L there invited me. So this is exactly the kind of thing that I like want to talk about on the podcast because like people who are listening to this might not just like have a friend who is a 1L at Yale to invite them. So just Google the word Reb Law or Rebellious Lawyering, Con- Lawyering Conference and it should come up. It's been happening for like 26 years. So their SEO is good and it's Yale. So it'll come up. Um, and there's not like registration yet for next year. It's a student run, totally student run conference. So just be on the lookout for it next year. Okay. So this is the basic structure. Um, I didn't actually get (laughs) the like schedule until right before it happened. So I just, if this is something you're actually interested in attending, you might want to know like what the schedule is. So sorry, this is kind of boring, but I think it's important. Okay, Friday afternoon, there's a session from like 2 to 3.30 p.m. with five different classrooms hosting five different like panels you can go to. And there's the same, that same setup from 4 to 5.30 p.m. Then a keynote speaker who was a judge from Mississippi. Then there were optional identity group caucuses with pizza, very New Haven. They're so into pizza there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, then at night, Friday night, there were multiple parties, which was very fun. I hadn't realized that was going to be part of the conference, but there were some like happy hours posted, but hosted by, um, different groups like the people's parody project and the drop Exxon campaign. And then also Yale has like a grad student only dance club on campus and Reb law had like, like kind of. They didn't reserve the space because there were other people there, but they had made it so that um, we would be allowed in, which was really cool. Then, so I went to all the parties. <laughs> then I skipped the on Saturday the 8 to 9 a.m. breakfast. I was like, I will eat um, some food from a food truck on the walk to school. <laughs> um, and then I also accidentally slept through the keynote speaker from 9 to 10 a.m., who was a community organizer in New Haven. So I showed up then at the, there was a session again with like the five different topics that you could choose from, from 10.15 to 11.45. Mm-hmm. Breakout groups over lunch, those were different from the identity group caucuses because they, it was a repeat of a lot of the topics that had been brought up in other sessions but like you were talking with other participants about it and like debriefing instead of listening to a panel okay and a one last session from 145 to 315 and then a panel which was a panel of formerly incarcerated lawyers there's like recently started a bar association for people who are impacted by the justice system and so they were explaining that which is cool. I, I don't really think about um, bar associations that much. I don't really know what they do. So that was neat. Uh, okay, so these sessions. I will share which ones I went to. Like, there were obviously so many things. So I'll just share what I went to and then, like, um, a sampling of other things you could go to if you had, like, a different interest than me. I went to... The first one was that I went to was the roots of forced migration. Perfect for you. Very perfect. And the first person who talked, everything she was saying, I was like, oh my gosh, you're doing exactly what I want to do. Like that was such a good way to start this conference. I got her business card afterwards. I was like straight up like what you're doing. Like that's why I'm in law school. Like uh, it was so affirming. Um, The second one I went to was the movement lawyering model. I hadn't heard of movement lawyering and I think it's very cool. Have yeah, you what heard is of- that? No. It's like being a lawyer, but in a movement, like in a social movement. Oh, so like the lawyer for like Black Lives Matter, that kind of thing? Yeah, like joining a movement as a lawyer, having the movement like be the leader and you are like supporting the activists who are who are like organizing around whatever they want to be organizing around. That is cool. Very yeah. cool. So that's yeah. a very cool. The third thing I went to 
collective action and environmental justice, um, then uh, I went to a breakout session with, oh wait, no, that was the other, that was the second day. Yeah, no, yeah. Okay, the breakout session was the second day, but the one that I went to over that lunch was with the People's Parity Project and then something called Law and Political Economy. And both of those were like groups that had been started by law students to address things, um, like to, to organize within law students. So that was neat too. And then the last thing I went to was... U.S. immigration enforcement at the southern border, a firsthand account of the legal and humanitarian crisis. Um, here's an alternate path. Like, let's say you're passionate about criminal law. You could go to, one, how social media surveillance funnels youth into the school-to-prison pipeline. What? That yeah. sounds right? so interesting. Right? <laughs> like, I was very sad I couldn't go to everything. Um, then... You could go to like, abolishing immigration detention because you know, like, <clears throat> yeah, these immigration detention centers. Oh my god, they're just absolutely yeah. horrible. Like it's not a crime. Like crossing the border, it's a civil offense, not a crime. Anyways, they're basically like prisons. Um, then you could go to sustainability and resilience in direct legal services, which I thought was really interesting. Like, yeah, how do you like? maintain your sanity and like a work-life balance when you're doing direct legal work with people going through like the worst moments of their lives and being oppressed by the system. Um, and then legislating through experience system reform powered by justice impact led advocacy and legislation. The panel though was like uh, similar speakers. So, um, there's a little overlap there. But, oh, man, it was so hard to choose. Like, I ended up just, like, I was I was very focused on the, the migration thing. So I did that. But there was one that was about, like, reclaiming legal education and another one on charting your own path and radical lawyering. Please tell me you went to that one. I didn't. No, I didn't. I went to the ones I was mentioning, like, the, like the collective ash, action and environmental justice things because they just. Oh, my gosh. I know. How do you pick? I don't know. You just, you just, I don't know. You just have to make a game time decision. I feel like I would end up doing the fickle finger fate, just closing my eyes and like pointing <laughs> my finger at something and being like, I'm going to that. I guess I was thinking of the, the panel structure. Like I kind of don't want to listen to strangers who don't know me talk about how I can chart my path in radical lawyering. Like I knew I would just be listening to them talk about their own path and that it might not be relevant to me. I kind of wanted to like hire one of them as like a career coach or something, but not go to the panel. Sure. Sure. Sense. Um, so because I had to choose like what I was going to do, I had to think about like, what did I want to get out of this conference where so much is happening? So many people are like connecting and it was kind of like, halfway through the conference, I realized that I hadn't thought about that. It was just kind of one of those things where I was like, I have to go to this, but I didn't know why it was just an intuitive mm, thing. Yeah. Um, so I made a, a little list of things that I feel like I was, was getting out of the conference and maybe you or, and me in the future and other people listening to this can, use this to be intentional about what they want to get out of something like this. So the first thing that I was scribbling notes furiously about was just information, like news about different injustices that are happening in different areas of the U.S. that I feel like I just wasn't getting from other news that I was reading the that last panel I went to about like firsthand accounts from the border had a slideshow and it was like a lawyer who had been like going back and forth and working in Arizona at a um, port of entry and with humanitarian um, aid on both sides and 
I hadn't really understood what the impact of the Remain in Mexico program had on like the support units and how like yeah I don't really know how to describe it but it just sounds um, like you were getting a really candid first-hand account of something that's going on there that hasn't already been like edited down or filtered down by whatever news source is reporting it ask questions too yeah yeah so that was great and then um in the climate migration talked I learned that there's an agreement between different islands in the Caribbean that's sort of like the EU where you can go to other islands, which are sovereign nations um, without a work visa and, and work there. And so that policy really helped people adapt after Hurricane Maria. And I was like, oh yeah, that kind of policy can like really, really help people adapt to climate change. Like I hadn't really thought about that. And I heard from an Iranian American activist about a group of students from Iran who came to the U.S. with valid student visas, which are very hard to get. And so they they went through like tons of vetting, got these student visas. And then once they arrived here, were subjected to this additional vetting process where they're like stripped and chained in a detention center. What? They have like valid student visas. What the actual budge? What? Yeah. Yeah. And I also... This is also something that I just had no idea about, but I didn't didn't know that um, coal companies have a legal duty to clean up after mountaintop removal. But they've been a lot of them have been restructuring their businesses so that the part that's like in charge of cleanup goes bankrupt. But they've like shifted their money so that the so that another part of the business can like pay off investors, but they they go bankrupt in the part that's in charge of cleanup, and then they're just off the hook for cleaning it up. And coal workers can get like ten more years of employment doing the cleanup because it's very labor intensive. So they're out of work too, and their interests align with environmentalists here. It's like this like workers versus environmentalist narrative is not true in this space. And so, like that, I was just, I was just scribbling notes, like furiously. I imagine, I just, that is actually ridiculous to me. So, I mean, basically, what these coal companies are doing is like getting rid of the department that's in charge of cleanup by bankrupting it, so that they don't have to clean up. From what I understand, from like one panel, and I haven't done my own independent reading. That just um, reminds me of being like eight years old. And when my mom would say, it's time to clean your room, I would conveniently vanish. <laughs> All of a sudden, I have a great hiding place in the bottom of the hamper. You can't find me, therefore the room can't be cleaned. <laughs> yeah, I need to read more on that. Um, so these these things I'll call information gathering. Like... <clears throat> It's almost a good enough reason in itself to go, but I hadn't, I hadn't even thought that that's why I would be going, even though I knew I would be in all these panels. I don't know what I expected from this, but I was like, oh yeah, there's just a lot of things I don't know. Um, okay, so there's that. Uh, two, maybe kind of related, but more structural is that, um, Reading through the program and seeing what things were being offered and what types of law were being highlighted, like there was a lot of environmental stuff and a lot of criminal justice stuff, Um, and seeing the language that was used, it just kind of informed me on, like, what's the conversation that leftists are having in the law right now? Like, no one was talking about Citizens United, for example. Maybe a few years ago, like, that was all over the place. But it's kind of interesting to see what what's the conversation. Sure. Um, you have, so you, it value. sounds like by going to this conference, you just are putting your finger directly on the pulse of, like, what's happening in law radically. Yeah, or at least, I, like, what Yale Law students who organize the conference think, which is, which is a filter that is, is fine. Um, and oh my gosh, speaking of vocabulary, every speaker used this term theory of change. 
O. And we just don't talk about that at WashU. We don't talk about change. We don't talk about our theories of change and what motivates that, our scholarship. <laughs> so I was just like, shut up about theory of change. But part of it was just me being like, I don't really know what that is. I don't really. <laughs> like, Stop using the words I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'll put that in the heading of like just catching up. Because uh, I'm just not in the environment where these conversations are happening all the time. And I think there are law schools that have that reputation of having these conversations all the time. Like CUNY and Northeastern are kind of have like like leftist like uh, vibes. Um, so, yeah, that's something to take into consideration, I guess. Okay, three. And this I was kind of expecting, but just validation. Like there were things that I wasn't. Mm-hmm that I heard that weren't new to me, but they were things that I had been kind of like thinking about on my own, but hadn't heard a lot of people say. Like, so can you, you think know, of anything? Yeah. So like if you're, if you're a one L and you're like in law school and you feel siloed from all the other disciplines, like why don't we have uh, law slash political science classes? Like why, why is it, why is law all on its own? And, you know, you feel disoriented by the workload and the type of work. Like, why are we just reading cases, whatever? You don't feel inspired by, like, the job openings you come across. You're like, why am I even in law? And then yep. to hear someone say, yeah, law school is horrible. Or, like, I only view law as one tool among many that the movement needs, and we use it when it's an effective tactic, but I don't put all my faith in law as the thing that will bring success to my movement. And you're just like, oh, it's so nice to hear that, like, a friend can say that um, or like a therapist can say that but when you hear it said by someone who's doing legal work and activism that you can imagine yourself doing you're like like you know yes it's like I'm on the right path people before me did this yes 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 exactly so you feel less alone it feels less like you're having to choose your own adventure or rather make your own adventure yeah 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 I feel like we were just talking about that where I was we were why isn't there a path for this um but I guess there is I just need to like expand you know my horizons so related to that is meeting other students I did learn about things that were happening others I mean mostly it was just just like being around the good uh vibes everyone was very energetic um and excited about all the different panels and that was nice and it was cool to like learn about what students are doing at other schools like there are a lot of schools that have reading groups where students will like assign each other readings of like more radical interpretations of what is happening in their classes just to read beyond, like, I, I can't really imagine being a reading group myself because <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of tapped out with the reading, but I admire the effort. Like having a book club instead of a book, it's like something related to class, but that, you know, is more maybe next year. Aggressive. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Next year <laughs> when, we're, when we're allegedly going to be, quote unquote, bored to death. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, man, I also learned about some things happening at Cornell. I don't want to be liable for slander, um, but I honestly don't think the things I heard were fake. So I think I can safely say that, like, there's something up at that law school, something sour. I personally would not go there if I had another option, even if Cornell was higher ranked than the other option. Whoa. Just, like, if you're considering going there, just please do as much research as you possibly can <laughs> about it. Um, that's um, all. I'll why didn't that. we chat off air about that? <laughs> <laughs> we, can, we can. What are you? Okay. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah. Uh, just, you know, it's a self-selected group of people who choose to take their weekend out to do this. And it was just a good group. So those are the things that I feel like it was. The thing that it wasn't that I mentioned on a previous episode, I was like, Uh I'm going to go there and like beg to work for someone, but it really is not a networking event. Like I I did talk to that first speaker. I got her business card, Mm -hmm. um, but I got her her business card so that I could like email her with some questions. Like there was no space to talk about 
summer employment. The panel that was on like what's happening at the border, the presenter was like, if you're looking for a summer internship, this organization's amazing. And I was like, that work is amazing. And I could practice my Spanish. Um, and then someone in the audience who's worked at a similar organization along the border raised her hand and was like, please don't go to the border to practice your Spanish. <laughs> like, like oh, as if she was said that to you. No, no, no. Like I, I was saying that in my head. She just read my oh, mind. Okay. I was but like, Oh my God. It, it must be a common, it just must be a common phenomenon for people who are not fluent in Spanish to be like, Oh great. I'll go, you know, help. And it'll benefit me. Cause I'll practice my Spanish. She was basically like, you should practice before you go like your clients need you to be like competent yeah and I was like yep that's fair yeah good it was very good she said that this is something that I think is just an issue with that kind of work um so very fair but eliminates (laughs) the option because I'm not um I am not fluent enough to work in a legal setting so I was like okay that was the one time someone mentioned summer employment all right moving on and in another panel a panelist had like thrown a question out to the audience like what barriers um do you feel like you're facing in doing impactful work and I said finding a job and when she said when she was responding to that her advice was like it's not about finding a job it's about lining up your skills with what your community needs like look around you talk to people get involved where you live right now And I like the spirit of that response, but I think that it missed the mark for (laughs) what I was saying, which I could have phrased better, I guess. But um, yeah, I feel like it missed the mark for a couple reasons. Like when I said finding a job, I didn't mean just like finding any job. A job, yeah. Like for job, I meant like turning all of that involvement that she went on to mention into the format of like employment. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. Finding. I literally meant like, where do I go to search for organizations that have formatted this work into employment such that at the end of the day, I can like buy food, Uh, you know? And then like regarding like matching up my skills with what a movement might need, I don't have legal skills. Like if I, were to get more involved with activism in St. Louis and figure out the ways that I could be most helpful, it wouldn't be the subpar legal research skills I have. And it definitely <laughs> wouldn't be representing anyone um, because it would be illegal for me to do that. Like, You can't just re- legally represent people if you're not a lawyer. So, um, you know, I'd be doing like graphic design or communications or like event planning, things that I've done. So my question was like, where do I develop legal skills and contribute while not being a burden? Like, for example, like having subpar Spanish skills. Sure. um, And like have food. So I don't know. It was kind of and it was like, I feel like, like, don't you know, that's what I'm asking. Like, why did this become like a, a, a nice, beautiful, like sentiment of a response, but that doesn't answer the question. And I'm like, like it's frustrating to hear that response from like an Ivy League grad because I know that they hustled their entire lives to get to the top but their advice for like the general crowd is to just get involved on the ground level like wherever they happen to be in school right now even though that's not what they did like the message itself isn't elitist so like it's hard to make that criticism but um I don't know like something is off like I know there's work to be done everywhere but I guess I need a little more convincing about why I shouldn't look beyond like physically where I am right now. So anyway, I went on about that for too long, but I think it's because I had that like hope that I would meet people from different organizations and would have the occasion to ask them about summer internships and do a little groveling. And so I did not end up doing any of that, but in short, great sessions, great humans. I saw people I knew from different law schools. So it was kind of like a little reunion of like the leftist lawyers, lots of pizza. I, I feel a little bit more clear headed and like, like I'm like, oh yeah, I can do things on campus with people, even though 
it might be a more moderate campus. Like I can find a few people and like maybe change some things for the better around here. You know, I don't know. I really want to go back next year. Everyone listening to this should go. Well, consider this my RSVP. You've sold it. If yes. for no other reason, then I get to eat pizza with you all weekend <laughs> in like a bougie little New England community. <laughs> I'm into that. Heck yes. Like truly, that sounds great to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you know, they're really into pizza there. So eat a lot of it. Very good. Well, I mean, it sounds like you got everything out of that experience that you, well, almost everything that you wanted. It, yeah, I, I, and it was like jam-packed. My one gripe with it is that um, there was supposed to be like 15-minute breaks between everything, and like every single session went over so that uh. we don't have like two-minute breaks between. So it was jam-packed. But that's fine. But they did have like decompression rooms like reserved for people, which was really sweet. Decompression <laughs> rooms? Yeah. Isn't that nice? That like, is they really thoughtful. Like, overwhelming content, like really like rough content sometimes. Yeah. So on a scale of one to ten, what would you rate Rebla? Um I'm going to say 9 out of 10. It would get a 10 if I had gotten a job. <laughs> oh, okay. Even though that's unfair because that's not the point of it. And, like, I don't like networking, so maybe the, maybe I would have hated it if there was, like, a reserved portion for that. But, yeah. In the spirit of rebellious lawyering, I have a quick announcement for people who are in St. Louis. Um, I know there's some of y'all because I looked at the statistics of... <laughs> Oh, yeah, we can see who's who's listening. All right, so. Um, okay, if you're in St. Louis, this Wednesday, the Public Safety Committee will be having a meeting about closing the workhouse. This is a, the close the workhouse campaign is something I mentioned last semester. Um, but if you're in St. Louis, you probably know about it. Please come. You do not have to ever have been involved with the campaign before. You do not have to speak during the public comment section. You do not have to hold a sign. If you're just physically there, it shows the committee that people are paying attention to what's happening with the workhouse and care about this. So that's my quick plug. It's Wednesday night, 6 to 8 p.m. at 1200 Market Street. See you there. <laughs> Megan fly, immediately books a flight to say <laughs> Yeah. Um, I have no such update for the <laughs> community of Greensboro. I'm so sorry. I don't usually actually I don't usually know what's what's up. I just got the email for that right before recording this. So there you have it. Well does that uh <laughs> does that bring that's my, to the that's end? my long update unless you unless you want to know anything else about Red Blah but that's kind of all I know. Um, I'll put the website blog you took the words out of my mouth i was gonna say is there a uh, website website perfect yeah. um great well this time next year will be rebellious lawyering yeah Together. yeah <laughs> hopefully sweet sweet all right thank bud. you for your patience listening to my very long update it's what it's what we wanted it's what the people demanded <laughs> hell yeah okay bye y'all Bye. Bye, Megan. Bye.